3: OGL HD3, Philadelphia, from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast.
1: This
3: is the next generation of talk. Now, this is The Drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli.
4: Joe Biden falls up the short stairs of Air Force One again. And um, Roland Fryer, professor, says he he had to get armed guards after his study found no racial bias in police shooting, plus men breastfeeding in the U.K. They say it's good for kids. Unbelievable. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Dr. Wilfred Riley joins me. He, of course, is the author of of the forthcoming book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, and also the author of Hate Crime Hoax. Professor Riley, how are you today?
5: Doing pretty well. Good to to be on the show.
4: You had a good time at the rave last week, huh?
5: Yeah, well, I I was kind of joking. (laughs) Uh, You know, a gentleman doesn't discuss uh, weekend activities like that. (laughs) But I was was talking online about how uh, the sexual and chemical revolution made it possible for a lot of people to really keep partying kind of too long one of my female friends was griping about this in the context of a former boyfriend all these people they're in my group of friends are like 35 they're dentists and such and i mentioned that one of my buddies invited me to an underground rave and this guy is like 37 just had a kid now you know i may or may not have gone but it, it, there is an element of humor to this so you can today still be traveling around, going to hedonism and so on, and be you know forty or fifty. Is that is that good? I don't know. It's probably good. People know more about you know sexuality and fun than they did in the sixties. It's it's probably not so good if you have you have kids, you have family responsibilities. So that that prompted kind of an in depth conversation online with a lot of men and certainly a lot of women chipping in uh, in terms of how they feel about that.
4: Well, it's kind of like the idea of it's never, never land, right? You never have to grow up. I mean, we just keep delaying adulthood for, for longer and longer,
5: well, yeah, like Peter Pan was a cautionary tale, though actually, it was kind of the idea of the ultimate male fantasy. I mean, the guy was like seventeen permanently, and he lived on a be- what was it a beautiful island full of great hunting with like his little girlfriend Wendy, and he fought pirates and he was a thief and all of this and You know, they they never had to work and they never had to farm, but, you know, they owned nothing. I mean, the idea, when people say, like, he lives a Peter Pan lifestyle, they sort of mean someone's doing those things that would have been a lot of fun in high school or in college or in your fraternity days, but that are a little weird if you're, you are, again, 35, 40, and it's now possible to do that. I mean, there are entire sites that connect people that are, you know, fully of age and still playing. So, again, I, I don't have any real problem with what consenting adults do. I, I do think if you have, say, a 12-year-old daughter, you should probably, you know, reign in that kind of that aspect of your life.
4: Now, let me ask you the question about um, the study that Roland Fryer did that he was talking about. He, he did a study in uh, looking at Houston. It was back in 2016, mm-hmm. and he, he talked to uh, Barry Weiss about this. He looked at racial bias in Houston police shootings, and the study found that police were more than twice as likely to manhandle beat or use some other kind of non-fatal force against blacks and Hispanics and against people of other races. However, the data also determined the officers were 23.8% less likely to shoot at blacks and 8.5% less likely to shoot at Hispanics than they were to shoot at whites. And as a result of that study, he said all hell broke loose. He had to get armed guards and people told him, don't publish this study. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Uh, I think the study is totally unsurprising. I mean, first of all, I notice that everyone kind of focuses, and this is true even sometimes in right-wing media, on the first part, which is that if you look at very minor uh, uses of force, and you don't adjust for age, which is the one thing Fryer didn't adjust for, you find that black guys are, I think, it was eleven percent more likely than white guys to be, you know, thrown up against the car, that kind of thing. And there, there's no, you know, place for that, but you know, more likely to be put in cuffs. Okay. But the other thing that he found was that you are a little more likely than that. You're about 20% more likely as a white guy to get shot by the cops. Now, personally, I don't think the cops are murderous psychopaths that are out there brutalizing blacks or whites. I think there are probably reasons for that. I think black guys might be younger and more likely to talk trash to the cops, to say some things, to start an altercation and to get handcuffed. I think white guys might be more likely to act crazy if you look at the suicide rates, or you just watch police videos of the two different races. Um, but what what Fire did not find is any kind of dramatic difference in the treatment of black people or white people. And I mean, you ought to be able to figure this out just from the raw numbers. I mean, there are less than a thousand people shot by cops every year. Every year, they're about twenty percent black, sixty percent white. I mean, you can just look at the demographics of the country. But Fryer was almost afraid to publish this. I mean, he taught at a large liberal university. He's a Harvard man. And sure enough, when he released this, I mean, in, in that talk, he has this great line where he says, four minutes after I put the paper online, uh, a guy contacted me and was like, "Fryer, you're an idiot. You're wrong about everything. And this is a 150-page economics paper full of these complex statistical calculations that you need a calculator for. And I, I just said, you must be the greatest genius in the world. How'd you read it? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know. So it, it, there was definitely a very quick, very partisan reaction, which involved, by the way, a Harvard's plagiarist, former ple- president Claudine Gay. And, and this is something that we were aware of in academia. I mean, at, at Kentucky State and U. Kentucky University of Illinois, we we're talking about this. It was obvious at the time that Fryer was correct. Cops don't hate white guys. They don't hate black guys. It was also obvious that there was going to be an attempt to destroy his career. And uh, fortunately, the big guy survived that. So we're now seeing this paper, just as we've seen so many things, kind of last comment. But today, also, we saw a paper published that found that there was a slight but significant increase in heart disease risk for males if you took the COVID shot. Right. Right. So very often, like, years after kind of the obvious is said, everyone sort of accepts it and pretends that they never denied it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, I mean, this is one of those cases where, like, okay, they're just going to give Fryer some money and they're going to move him back into his old lab. I mean, Fryer's kind of okay with that, but first he's going to do some interviews.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, though, what you say about it catches up to you and then people – the things that at one point you said that were so controversial – become accepted. I I hope that that trend continues on things like the idea that men can't breastfeed and that a male who breastfeeds um, by use of uh, hormones, it's probably not good for the kid. Like I I mean, that's kind of obvious. It seems obvious, yet the UK is pushing forward with that. I hope at some point in the future, we'll be having this conversation, you and I, Wilford Riley, and we'll say, well, now that everybody's agreeing with what we said back then, because certain things just seem so obvious, you don't really need to go in depth about them. But Yet there's an entire, I don't know, apparatus of censorship that exists that just shuts down anyone who disagrees. I mean, if you said that well, I have concerns about the covid shot and myocarditis, especially in healthy young uh, males, for example, you know, you're killing people. Shut up. <laughs>
5: Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that, like, one of of the core ideas that I've always had when it comes to operating as a, a pretty intelligent intellectual, I think, is that there's a basic idea that underlies our concept of a jury system in the Western world that underlies our concept of journalism, that you know, a gumshoe cub reporter can go out and talk to the chief of police and tell whether he's lying, that underlies our concept of an interdisciplinary journal, like the one I'm an editor of. And that's that a common-sense intelligent person, a housewife or a country lawyer, can listen to you talk and have a pretty good idea of whether or not you're telling the truth using logic. Like every college and community college has a class called Logic 101. And so I think when people say things that seem... Nonsensical or crazy, there are two options like one is that the person is such an incredible genius that, like Einstein or Jesus or something like that they're completely reshaping the whole frame of the world, and you just don 't <laughs> understand them yet and i'm kind of being serious like but you know, love your enemies the equals m c squared it 's something new you just you haven 't caught up yet that 's one possibility or possibility two you 're just listening to nonsense. it sounds fancy, but it 's as crazy as it seems. And I've found over the years, doing pretty well financially and publishing some papers and so on, that maybe 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it's, it's option number two. Like, you're not imagining it. Someone's doing what's called sophistry. They're just laying out a lot of fancy, incorrect words. So the, the trans issue definitely is uh, one of the arenas where I think this is going to turn out to be true. Like, it's obviously true that men aren't women. It's obviously true that there are a lot of very simple, earthy, old-school techniques you can use to figure out which sex someone is. And so, yeah, I think in about 20 years, this, this latest mental health frenzy is going to have passed. And we're going we're gonna to be looking back at this kind of the way we look back at lobotomy and uh, a lot of other things that happen in the medical profession that, quote-unquote, all the experts endorse. All
4: right, now let me ask you this question. And this news just broke, so you may not have had a real chance to dig into it yeah. yet, but is this guy... Einstein, or are we just being duped here? Hunter Biden attorneys say reckless prosecutors mistook mistook lines of sawdust for cocaine in an evidence dump. Now, I mean, I've heard that one before. That's not my cocaine. That's sawdust. I, I've heard of sugar, maybe, or that's not pop. It's oregano. Or that's, I, I didn't know she was a stripper, honey. I, th- I thought she was just a Walmart greeter. But this is a new one. Cocaine. No, it's sawdust.
5: Well, this is so. This is this is about the stuff that's in Hunter Biden's actual videos, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is actually it's going to be fairly hard to prove. So, one of the things that I've heard a lot from students because we've gone over some of the Donald Trump uh, media content and some of the Biden family media content in my classes, and one of the questions my students, who are like these middle class Black and Appalachian guys that are training to be cops, have asked is like, "Why aren't all these people in jail?" <laughs> And Like, with well, Hunter Biden, it's just immediate, like, lock him up. Uh, and the the reason for that, this is why every rapper is not in jail, is that if you look like you're committing a crime, but there's no hard probative evidence, you, you can't actually be charged with anything. So if someone says, well, that looks exactly like a Glock 9 with a switch that you were waving in that video, unless there's a warrant, you know, FBG, Duck, or whoever can just say, well, it's, it's a replica. We work with a store on the outskirts of the city. No, you can't come in and look. It's the same thing. I mean, of course, Hunter Biden can say that the white substance in front of him that the Russian girl is sitting next to was powdered sugar or pre-workout or sawdust is a new one. I mean, we all know it's not, but it's actually very difficult to to prove that kind of thing. And that's why what we've seen against Hunter Biden are mostly fairly sophisticated tax charges, that kind of thing. I mean, We did see the gun application, but there has to be hard evidence that a crime was committed. Just someone looking like they're about to fall into bed with a woman or looking like they're about to take drugs, that's actually not a crime.
4: Right. I just think sawdust is just a great excuse. I'm just, it's a novel excuse. I'm proud of him. I I am. I'm proud of him for coming up with that.
5: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a picture that a casual friend of mine has of him wearing a George W. Bush mask. Uh, sitting in front of a pile of some kind of white powder uh, in uh, graduate school. I, I don't know the context, but I mean his statement is like this is something we set up for a Halloween party, and that is uh, flour, and that could well be true. I mean, people try to look cool at some points in their lives, and you know maybe maybe that's the context of all of Hunter Biden's media. Maybe that's why he kept taking pictures. <laughs> now again, I think that's really unlikely. I mean, there's a situation where Hunter Biden's weighing what a uh, what certainly appears to be crack on a Digital scale, he's got 21 ounces of it and so on. But again, you, you'd have to prove that. You'd have to secure don't weigh the scale. You do sawdust
4: after you're done doing carpentry? I mean, I do.
5: You, know, you cut it up in lines with a razor and you put it on an <laughs> old, grateful, dead case and you, know, you just hang out. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that w- with Hunter Biden, of course, another element of this is kind of the contemptuous mockery that you're seeing, which is actually really irritating me. But I mean, where, where Congress will ask Hunter Biden to come in, and Hunter Biden will show up three weeks later at the the wrong door of the Rayburn Building and say, "You wanted me," or he'll he'll just show up in meetings and say, "Well, if you want to interview me, here I am." Just knowing that he, you know, he's a D.C. player himself; his his father is the president. but... There, there's going to be a, an air, a certain level of leniency shown to him. And that's that's kind of what's saying, well, no, I don't do coke. I enjoy uh, working with sawdust as an artist. That, that's kind of what that is. He's just saying, get out of here, screw off.
4: Uh, well, for Riley, let me ask you another thing uh, Roland Fryer was talking about. It was, it was the DEI foolishness. Uh, he said to Barry Weiss, I'm going to play this clip for you, uh, and I oh, particularly yeah. like what he said about um, if you go to my neighborhood and call someone this, <laughs> the result will be that. Uh, Cut four.
1: I also don't tolerate foolishness at all, okay? And so you can't put me on a task force where we're going to spend a semester talking about the new name for black people. I don't want to do it. Right? You go to my neighborhood and call someone BIPOC, they'll punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) No one cares. I care about the real issues. BIPOC, of course. You know what's uh... offensive? Being unemployed and so i have had that attitude throughout my career i don't plan on getting rid of it because i want to make sure we focus on the real issues and i believe sometimes in universities we fo- we start to focus internally on the things that will but it's not helping the people that we said we came there to help
4: uh BIPOC, of course uh, what is that as a, a person of color i believe is that right
5: well, it's a, it's a special type of person of color. A BIPOC is a black or indigenous person of color. It's written to, it's written to prioritize that over Hispanics, uh, Italian Americans, Arabs, others who may not technically be white, but who aren't quite as precious as blacks and natives. And this is actually literally correct. Like, there are whole essays about this. So, um, in order of oppression, blacks and natives rank ahead of everyone else who's not simply uh, white. But I mean this is this is what fryer's saying he's just saying all this is is stupid he's got real research to do
4: Right and, and- I assume you probably concur with this with his point. On yes.
5: That. <laughs> no. If you ever spent time in an academic environment, I assume it's probably sometimes the same in a media environment. I'm obviously all love for clear channel or whatever, but I mean, in a corporate business environment, it was the worst of anything. But I mean, there there are the sexual harassment meetings, and the diversity meetings, and the DEI meetings, and the, this is how to use your stock shares meetings, and so on down the line, and. If you are actually, if you are there not as a person who goes to meetings, but as someone who wants to make money or publish books, that stuff can be pretty interminable. And I can only imagine it at Harvard or Yale right now. Like, you're handed a folder with a title like, how can we prioritize queer identities today or something like that? And, you know, if you're Fryer, one of the things Fryer was working on was how to improve uh, test scores in black and poor white schools in the South. So it's actually difficult to think of something, like, more important. And he's being pulled away from that for this nonsense. And this goes on for years because of his fight with Claudine Gay. So there, there's probably some le- legitimate real anger there. And uh, kind of the last comment, like, I think part of this is because of Fryer's background. Like, Fryer's not from the ghetto or anything, but he grew up in a working-class home. He was a football player. He was just a guy, like a good guy. He managed to get into first kind of Big Ten level schools then into the Ivies. You know, I respect his path. He graduated. He decided to go into teaching. And so he's actually doing this research on how can minority men interact better with the police? I can, I can think of some obvious suggestions. But how can poor kids learn better? And he's being surrounded by these upper middle class people who are talking about this stuff that doesn't even exist, like, systemic racism against BIPOC. And you have to use that name. And he's being targeted because he won't use these made up words. So there's like there's a definite tension there. And it it really did affect his career for quite a while.
4: Is his advice uh, and your advice similar to Chris Rock's advice of uh, how to not get your ass kicked by the police? Is it kind of similar to that?
5: Step one, don't commit crimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I actually, I was in the Chicago City colleges, so it wasn't, unlike Friars' location in the South, it wasn't by any means just black guys. But, I mean, I actually did a course for young men on how not to negatively interact with the police. And it literally was like a joke. Like, I don't want to spoof it too much, but it would be like, you know, okay, Freeman, Ramirez, and McGillicuddy – what, what would you do if a cop pulled you over? What would be the first thing you'd say to him? And guys would be like, I'd ask that po- policeman why he was stopping me once again. Is a hard working. And it was like, no, you wouldn't. You just, you'd pull over the car to the safe side of the road. You'd say, here's my license and registration. It literally, there's a disconnect in sort of working class male communication on the one hand, and in how you need to talk to a cop or a boss or a master sergeant or, for that matter, your wife and that causes a lot of problems and a lot of tension. And again, that's a real thing that we could work on with young men that every coach that I know works on, but that people are distracted from by this sort of like these ghosts in the machine, like no, the real issue is systemic racism.
4: Right, right. Uh and 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 you're being obviously sarcastic on that last point. I mean, that's what they keep saying and and, and uh, point made. It's like Latinx, right? I mean, that's another one. It's another fake yeah. term they came up with. I, I, was, um, I was doing a show at Parks Comedy Club, and the comedian who is, um, she, she <laughs> describes herself as a, a bisexual Latina. And she said, um, I would rather you call me, and she said the pejorative word for a Hispanic person, than Latinx. And I laughed so hard at that. I thought that was one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. But again, yeah, it's a I've fake.
5: I've heard like 10 people say that for
2: real.
4: <laughs> it's like it's another fake thing that academia created. And this it kind of goes to the heart of so, something that I think James Carville gave really good advice to the Democrat Party when he said, you know, stop being the party of the faculty lounge. You know, stop, yeah. stop being the party of the coastal elites in the faculty lounge because real people don't talk this way. Nobody actually goes out there and uses the term. Latinx. Nobody says that. Nobody goes out there and actually says BIPOC.
5: Yeah, I, I think the problem is it's not just faculty lounging. It's the, atti- it's the attempt to fit human behavior into these weird academic theories that are wrong. So, like, I mean, Marxist theory is wrong. Like, the idea that success comes from the failure of others, like the exploited failure of others, that, that's not real. But it's from that that you get the idea that, for example, white should feel guilt, black men should feel guilt, rich people should feel guilt. That's probably the most damaging theory in our society. But a lot of this other stuff, like feminist theory, like male aggression and female femininity and so on, come from these social constructs set up by male rapists 5,000 years ago. Like, no, it's just biological. We see the same stuff in, like, rhesus monkeys. But, like, once you believe this stuff, basic things, like most women prefer somewhat dominant men in marriages – Like, things that are just viewed as normal. You and your wife both have a job. Capitalism. Like, all of this becomes very problematic. I don't want to go on, like, a windy rant here. But there's a whole bunch of people that are spending time thinking about how they can solve what they view as the underlying real problem in the world, which is, like, anti-feminist, white and black male capitalism or something like that. And in reality, at the level where most people exist, the problem in most big cities is, like, crime. So you have the Roland Friars that are trying to fix the actual problem. You get rid of crime and filth, and almost everyone will be happy for 100 years. And then you have the people that have the weird, fantastical theory about making society perfect. And maybe for the very best of those theories in 10,000 years, they'll have a point. But for most people right now, they just seem like a bunch of nutty absent-minded professors. And I think that that's pretty much accurate. So that's a dispute you see in academia and you see it creeping beyond academia to really impact reality as well.
4: And the, and the problem is of course, outside of academia, so much of this stuff creeps into corporate America. I mean, Roland Fryer okay. said, you know, like they got rid of their best black professor because uh, I wasn't into the the, 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 views. You know, my anti-woke views were, were not welcome there. and, um, that's why they wanted to get rid of him. We're seeing that in corporate America now. Now, there's a story in the Washington Post. It says that uh, as DEI gets more divisive, companies are ditching their teams. And they cite two companies, Zoom and Snap, are among companies that have cut the DEI roles in recent weeks. Are we at a point now you think where finally the backlash has reached corporate America where they realize, hey, you know what? All those college kids who we hired who told us this is how America thinks, Maybe they were wrong. America doesn't think that everybody wants to have a beer with Dylan Mulvaney. Maybe we got this wrong here.
5: Well, sort of. I actually think that was a big lodestone moment because that was considered to be like, if you read the marketing periodicals, I was curious enough to dig them up for that week. And that was considered like a giant win, like this kind of stodgy beer company that's known for... Up Greek Row parties, just bikers having a cold one at Sturgis if they can't get a lager. I mean, like you know, th- that those guys they got Dylan Mulvaney like this trans icon was going to work with Bud Light right. in a bathtub. I mean, like, and I'm I'm not exaggerating this at all. And then it happened, and everyone in society was like, "No, we actually are." You know, former college guys who drink beer, and we have no interest in this this campaign at all, and sales dropped by sixty five percent or whatever so i I think that kind of drove home the point like these affluent mostly white very far left not there's anything wrong with that one but very far left ivy types are they actually contributing anything to bottom line and when people looked across a whole bunch of things like targets pride campaign or Balenciaga's hiring an alleged devil worshiper to design their latest line, like just on and on and on, it it became kind of obvious, like, no, you can only do so much like edgy, cool stuff that's losing your money. So, I I mean, at a certain level, business is all about bottom line. Like that hilarious interview with Nike where people kept asking them, like, isn't one of your goals helping out the black community? They were like, you know, we're a diverse team here, but our goal is to sell shoes. Like if you have a bunch of people that are talking about racial togetherness and comedy and we have our first female VP of China sales and so on but you're you're not selling any sneakers in new colorways you've got to fire them all and yeah I think we are moving toward that. That's that is kind of the point.
4: Well that's good news then. I'm I'm glad we're we're getting away from that. We'll we also might be at the age of uncanceling. There was a, a a story I read where Shane Gillis has been asked to host Saturday Night Live after they canceled them a couple years ago. Uh, my buddy Jimmy Fallon's book, which is the, uh, the Cancel Culture Dictionary, is on the New York Times bestseller list. Are, are we now at a point maybe where we've reached that point where we're un- uncanceling people who've been canceled? Because that would also be a great sign of progress.
5: Well, I, I actually, seriously, and from some of the stuff I've done in my consulting um, realm, I think there are two levels to that. Like, at the level of society, there's extraordinary disgust with, quote-unquote, wokeness. People are as irritated with it as they were with the moral majority wanting to ban sodomy. We don't need to get into exactly what that is, but in the 1980s, I think the ordinary person in that case read the definition and was like, no. And I think that's exactly what happened here. I think the ordinary person read the definition of equity and just said, hey, I run a small savings and loan. Hell no. I'm fine hiring 8% black guys or whatever, but no, this, this makes no sense. I don't believe the SAT math test is, is racist. Get out of here. So I think at that level, most people are on board and most people have probably been on board since, you know, at very least, the first big George Floyd riot. The problem with getting rid of this stuff is it's going to take a more advanced version of what Zoom is doing, because these are entrenched interests. Like if you go into a large corporation, you're going to find that like these are acronyms in the business. Like there's DEI, ESG, SEL, NEW, NUHR. Like, they are departments of this stuff. So, I mean, if I were the VP of DEI and new HR at Costco, I mean, what I would do is just go undercover, go shell back for about a year. Like, say we were working on a new, less aggressive equity plan or something and just keep my entire team, not try to grow my team, and wait for two or three years until someone got shot by the police and then, then start again. <laughs> so the question is, can that stuff be burned out right now? Because if not... We're just going to see what happened after the backlash to O.J. and to political correctness in 1995, which is that it recedes, but it, then it metastasizes and it just comes back again.
4: And even though we know George Floyd actually died, according to the coroner's report, because he had drugs in his system and we know that it wasn't the cop that killed him, it doesn't change that fact because there becomes a, a, a way to use that to advance a political narrative. And that political narrative trumps everything.
5: Well, you almost get into different knowledges with a lot of this stuff. Like there are two George Floyd autopsies at this point, like the family commissioned a doctor who's actually a pretty good doctor. And then there's the official county coroner's report, that reports on the drugs. So, I mean, like you're you're in a situation where a lot of people have totally different perspectives on the world based on. In many cases, almost different sets of facts. So, like, I wrote a book called Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, and it's entirely fact-based. I mean, it's based on readings of the most popular high school and college textbooks of the past 20 years. But it's a counter to a book called Lies My Teacher Told Me, which is also fact-based. They just used textbooks from 50 or 60 years ago. So people are coming into the game with totally different frames of reference for reality, if that makes sense. I think ours is right, but that's one of the reasons things are getting so intense. Um, and, again, the problem is that the, the sort of center-left mainstream frame of reference until recently was everywhere. Like, there's a, there's a famous comment uh, from the head of the AFL-CIO Like, uh, this is the the description of America as a center-right country. The guy said, when you look at the newspaper, you see the business section. You don't see the union section. That's the disadvantage we're fighting from. And at that point, he was probably correct. Now, today, it's the same kind of thing. When you go into corporate America, you see a department of HR. You see a department of diversity. You don't see whatever our equivalent would be, like a department of innovation, free Speech. So that's going to have to be kind of done away with in order for the other perspective to be – as able to advance, and we'll, we'll see if that happens.
4: All right, so then the last question is, when is the book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, coming out?
5: Well, this is final pushback. Uh, well, It's the final release date now. It's going to be coming out at the end of May this year, basically.
4: Good. Excellent. So we can finally get a date on the calendar to do an in-person event together and uh, talk about all the lies that our liberal teachers told us. I'm very excited for that. Quite Follow Wilfred Riley on Twitter at...
5: Um, well, it's at Will, W I L underscore D A underscore Beast, B E A S T, 630. Boom.
4: All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next Doing week. It. Thanks.
5: You too. It's the
3: 5 o'clock happy hour on the Rizzioli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. A premier full service resorting conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay.com.
4: All right, listen, uh, more to come, including uh, Nikki Haley's steadfast support for Ukraine, which is why she's not going to get the Republican nomination. And Emmons Roofing and Siding wants you to know that if you've had any damage done to your home because of all these storms, reach out to them today. They will get it taken care of. They are damage restoration experts, and they will work with your insurance company for you. And Emmons also does kitchen and bathroom remodeling. They really have truly become the one-stop shop for all of your roofing, siding, windows, solar, and now baths and kitchens. Emmons can install a new bathroom in as little as one day. That's right. You heard me right. One day. Have the new bathroom you want in as little as one day with a minor interruption of use and minimal downtime. Trust the team at Emmons that I have used in my own home for a bunch of projects. Do you have property at the shore? Well, the team at Emmons will come out and take a look at that roof Now, because small winter leaks can lead to big costly repairs when the warm weather hits. So call 856-556-3229 today for a free estimate or online at emmonsroofing.com or visit the Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That's emmonsroofing.com. Be sure to tell them I sent you. And remember, I've used them for six years and they've done incredible work with my former home and now the home that I have now. And they'll do great work for you. Matt and Stephanie, you're great people, great friends of the show and mine personally. And Emmons guarantees their work. You will be very, very happy. They did our kitchen and bathroom. They did a fantastic remodel. My wife was thrilled with the work. Emmonsroofing.com, Emmons Roofing.
3: On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the Free Odyssey app.
4: a freaking hangmail. It's gonna be all bloody now. <laughs> I'm gonna rip it out with my teeth. Ew! Why are you sharing this with the audience? I don't know, I'm gonna die anyway. Ugh. <clears throat> what? <clears throat> well, based on the, uh, the, the study that came out about the COVID vaccine, basically everyone's gonna die not to get negative for a second
2: or anything like that
4: <laughs> um oh i have i have so much henry we're gonna be at cpac we're gonna miss you
2: i know thought i thought you wh- were coming no i what am i gonna do here by my lonesome
4: i don't know bringing some girls some booze <laughs> live it up
2: see the only problem with that is that people still work here oh that's right They'd walk by and see it's gonna be weird doing the show without henry talking in my ear for the duration of it about a movie that came
4: out in like the mid 90s that i n- never intend to see <sighs> you'll actually be able to get work done yeah Ow. what are you doing now how my I, I you know i i carried reagan on my back claire on my back this weekend because claire twisted her ankle and i'm getting too old and everything's breaking now <laughs> you're not even that old and now it's like i just feel like everything hurts you know what i mean <laughs> I got to drive to D.C., I'm a little cranky, but, and when is Shane Gillis hosting Saturday Night Live, by the way? Is that next week?
2: I think so, yeah.
4: All right. I'm excited for that.
2: Yeah, oh, that'll be good. I mean, people are actually going to tune in.
4: I hope he doesn't sell out. No. You know. You know that you will,
2: right? No, unless, I like, if Lauren really gets on him about it, I, I, maybe he'll just pull out. Like, I don't, I don't think they can afford to go back at this point.
4: No, I, I think he should, he should make jokes about them canceling him.
2: Yeah. That would be funny. Yeah, pull a Norm Macdonald.
4: Yeah, just, just pull a Norm Macdonald, pull a um, Ricky Gervais, mm-hmm. just make fun of them. Like what I did to the Atlanta County Republicans, just made fun of everybody. It's fine. I mean, it's good. And people like it. Everybody's got to relax. Lighten up. You know what I mean? Lighten up. Got a president who now uses a chair li- lift master, to, what do they call it? A, <laughs> a chairmaster or stairmaster? Stair- uh, it's not a stair master, stairmaster exercise. Yeah, that's the, the Oh, the no, gym he's definitely... Yeah. Biden's definitely not doing that. No, this is a chair lift, right? To bring him up the side rails of Air Force One?
2: That's, uh yeah, I think so. That sounds right.
4: Biden was asked if he's going to California for a plan B for twenty twenty four. Uh Biden was asked that question. Today the, the White House, uh, you got that one, Matt? Yeah. Go ahead. Are you ready? Yes,
1: sir. Well, I'm looking for I'm looking at you. We're looking at you.
4: Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Sounds like my father-in-law yelling at my kids this weekend. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Kathy Hochul apparently wanted to attack Canada, which I'm all for. (laughs) I don't know why she's walking this back, but the governor of New York apologized after saying the United States would wipe out Canada if it attacked New York. I don't even think we need an excuse. I just say wipe out Canada. You got a man child there who's their prime minister. What's he going to do? Nothing. Got about 10 Mounties. They're all drunk. I mean, it would not be that hard. I saw Canadian bacon. It would not be that difficult to do. But she had said that um, if Canada attacked New York the way that Hamas attacked Israel, the U.S. would wipe out Canada. And she said that, but now she's apologizing for that. Cut 21.
0: Call out Hamas for what it is, and it is a terrorist organization that must be stopped. No one, no country should live with that threat, that specter over them. And for those who don't understand this dynamic here in our own state, in our own country, I'll give you an example. I'm from Buffalo. Anybody realize that? If Canada someday ever attacked Buffalo, I'm sorry, my friends, there would be no Canada the next day, right? <laughs> right? I, I love Canada, but we did have the War of 1812, and they did burn Buffalo, so there might be a little conflict here. But think about that. That is a natural reaction. You have a right to defend yourself and to make sure it never happens again. And that is Israel's right.
4: I think we should attack attack Canada. I don't think you have to apologize for it. I don't think you need an excuse. Why is she walking that back? (laughs) Come on, Hochul. Finally said something I agree with, and now you're walking it back. Damn it. Uh, America's mother-in-law, Elizabeth Warren, was on john favreau's podcast called pod save america he offered america's mother-in-law elizabeth warren a selection of politician and celebrity options to build her list of people she would hypothetically like to smoke weed with because they'd be a really fun time can anybody imagine elizabeth warren hold on i'm gonna get myself a blunt can anyone imagine elizabeth warren
2: (laughs) i can imagine her coughing a lot (laughs) Was <laughs> that a throwback to her? Uh, yeah, do you remember she said that?
4: Yeah, I gotta find that now. Hold on, I'm gonna get myself a blunt. With we her gotta hu- just husband standing awkwardly in the background. Yeah, and she was she, she was trying to look really cool and hip by going to grab a beer. <laughs> the hell is that? Oh, oh, here it is, right here. Ready?
0: Hold on a sec. I'm gonna get me um a beer. Totally normal,
4: totally natural. Hold on a sec. I'm gonna get me a blunt. Well, here's who Elizabeth Warren picked to uh, smoke some weed with. Cut 22.
5: I'm going to give you a list of people, uh-huh. and we'd love for you to pick four of them as your dream blunt rotation. <laughs> for those who aren't familiar, a dream blunt rotation is a group of people you'd hypothetically like to smoke weed with uh-huh. because they'd be really fun time.
0: Okay. Hy- okay. Hy- hypothetically. So all I'm really telling you, this has nothing to do with weed.
5: Just in, yeah, this if is you just were
0: someone... Who do you think is fun? Potentially. These are people you'd go get... Pedicures with this right. is what you're telling me. Right. I'm just make sure I'm right. following this. Okay. A couple
5: edibles, pedicure. Okay, the whole thing. I'm I'm ready. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Janet Yellen, Ed Markey, The Rock, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, the rock. Yeah, I know oh you I'm have...
0: stopping there. I'm just doing the rock four times. Can rock four, stop times? Just uh, yeah. I rock Pelosi, four times. I'm just doing the rock I had Nancy Pelosi, Snoop Dogg, Direct Chuck quote. Schumer, and Taylor
5: Swift. Uh, I'm Hit. still
0: at the rock. <laughs> <Just> the rock.
5: <laughs> She's doing the rock, the rock. four
0: times. Doing the rock. Just
4: saying. Just saying. All right, that's enough so, of America's mother-in-law. That's all I can take. It's
2: a nightmare. Blunt rotation. That guy offered up
4: oh they're horrible right and terrible <laughs> you wouldn't want to smoke with janet yellen oh um oh. puts it puts the blunt in the basket or it gets the hose again uh i i look all right she just sounds like buffalo bill so uh Okay, I have uh, so much more to get to. I got to I got to play this for you. This is um, this is Nikki Haley with her love of Ukraine today from drop from her not dropout speech that she gave today. Uh, Take a listen.
0: Biden has failed this basic duty. As commander in chief, he tried to cut the military. He's made us weaker while our enemies get stronger. He withdrew from Afghanistan in a way that encouraged our enemies to do whatever they want. Three years later, Russia has invaded Ukraine. Hamas has murdered Israeli women and children in their beds. China is launching unprecedented cyber attacks on American infrastructure. Iran is killing American soldiers. At the same time, Donald Trump has plenty of his own problems on national security. He's all but said he's going to abandon Ukraine. That's a massive gift. To Vladimir Putin. Now Trump is inviting Putin to invade NATO countries. Those are the same countries that stood with us after September 11th. Of course, we should ask them to pay more. We should demand it.
4: All right. So you but get the you get the gist there. Um, Trump it. is not inviting Putin to attack NATO countries. That's another lie, of course. But I want to contrast what Nikki Haley just said with what the black farmers. Are saying So this is, this is a fascinating thing. National Black Farmers President was on with Stuart Varney today on Fox Business. And again, this is why Nikki Haley has no shot in hell. And this is, why, this is where, uh, why Trump is doing as well as he is. And bottom line, I mean, this is the establishment versus what the everyday average person on the street is thinking. This is a fourth generation farmer, National Black Farmers President. Take a listen.
2: While
1: farmers here face extinction, that's your word, that is a very strong yes. word to me, justify extinction. Well, uh, African-American farmers, in this case, black farmers are facing extinction at the turn of the century. We were 1 million black farm families strong in the United States, 20, 20 million acres of land. Uh, this last census that came out uh, last week says uh, we represent 40,000 uh, black farmers across the United States. Uh, totaling less than three and a half a million acres of land so we're definitely facing extinction and as it relates to american farmers all all farmers are hurting and under this leadership uh, where we're sending aid to okay. ukraine but we won't stop farm foreclosures for america's farmers well, what, what do you want what, so, at, so what you auction. want then what you want is debt forgiveness debt relief why do yes. you deserve debt relief well, we've been trying to get debt relief for over four decades and it passed congress and this administration repealed the five billion dollars in debt relief so we see it almost like 40 acres in a mule you know we you promise to help the farmers but you but you don't and then we we promise to get five billion dollars for farmers who've been waiting for this relief for decades and this administration repealed it so we didn't get the debt relief but then i see a hundred billion dollars going to uh, ukraine and and some of that money went to help ukraine farmers with, with taxpayers money i'm saying why can't we use some of them resources to help farmers right here at home in the united states and i look at the crisis and and uh, b- the border it's a complete chaos uh the border should be closed and we letting people come into this country and we put them up in our uh, hotel rooms and give them expense cards but you won't help america's farmers uh, something is terribly wrong with that picture. We're American citizens and American farmers should come first. Okay. That's what my message is to the president. And if I had the opportunity to tell him, I would tell him he's taking the wrong direction and he needs to put America's farmers first. Joe,
4: now I, I'll, I'll tell you, in addition to that, um, the Biden administration also announced a new plan to enact large scale student loan forgiveness, this time by targeting borrowers experiencing financial hardship. Under the proposal, borrowers would be eligible for forgiveness if they meet certain criteria demonstrating financial hardships, such as their total student loan balance and required payments relative to household income and high cost burdens for essential expenses like health care or childcare. This is obviously another bribe to voters. It's another bribe to voters and it's another bribe to the to the to the privilege to were able to go to college. And meanwhile, you got the head of the Black Farmers Union turn around and say, in this administration, screwing us. And what he's saying is not just about farmers, he's speaking for a lot of people in this country who are black, and they're turning around and saying the same things. And meanwhile, who do you think is going to be helped by all this financial loan repayment stuff? It's going to be, again, a bunch of privileged kids. This is why the Democrat Party has lost so much touch. I don't care whether you're black or you're white, you're working for a living, you're a farmer, you're a plumber, you're a carpenter, you didn't go to college, you get nothing. You get nothing. Ukraine gets your money, you get nothing uh student kids who go to college who are probably going to make a lot of money working for some woke corporation they'll get money they'll get relief, but not you. you get ungats, you get nothing. you get nothing and like it. This is Biden's problem. I'm telling you right now this is biden's problem uh and it's a it's a it's a huge one for him um one other the point I wanted to make Julian assange they are going to try to extradite him i think I think it just passed in Britain to extradite Julian Assange. They want to see this man go away forever for a long time, and it's BS because Julian Assange has exposed so much of the uh, absolute deep state of our own country and WikiLeaks and what they exposed and what they exposed during 2016 and prior to that, too, and Edward Snowden and everything else. But they want to see him behind bars because he challenged the deep state, and that's what happens if you go against them. Here is Stella Assange talking about what's at stake here take a listen
0: the united states is abusing its legal system in order to hound
4: and prosecute and intimidate all of you what's at stake is the ability to publish the truth and expose crimes when they're committed by states The outcome of this hearing today will make it clear, the extent of the cover-up. The only fair, I, I shouldn't even talk about fairness at this stage, because the country that's trying to extradite him plotted to murder him. Uh, That is the big story of the hour brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. And um, later, maybe this week, I'll talk about the brutal U.S. prison that awaits Julian Assange if he is, in fact, extradited to America, which it looks like that is exactly what's going to happen. Um, But i got to talk about more craziness coming out of the U.K., including um, men who are breastfeeding babies and a lot more wokeness to come. I will share all that with you in our fourth and final hour. But listen njdiet.com is going to help you lose weight 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days time with nj diet just go to njdiet.com and lose the weight for good you can do this 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days it works it's contractually guaranteed and spring is approaching fast So it's time for you to get into shape and ready for the warmer weather. For over a decade, NJ Diet has helped thousands of people lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. That's nearly twice as fast as weight loss injections and without any of those nasty side effects. NJ Diet uses your hair and saliva along with scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements to get you to shed that fat quickly. Then NJ Diet uses your DNA info to help you keep the weight off. You are fully supervised the entire time to make sure you are burning fat and not just losing water. You even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. Locations are close by in King of Prussia, Cherry Hill, and Newark, Delaware, or available from home with live online video consultations. Just call eight five 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 5 nj diet 855-5NJ-DIET, or schedule your consult today at NJDiet.com. Get ready for spring. With njdiet.com, you can do this, njdiet.com.
3: Rich only weekday afternoons 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.